Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. This is the sixth in our sermon series in James, and it's called Think Right, Speak Right, Do Right. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. Fourth of July weekend, right? So, yeah. Uh, anybody go see fireworks or anything last night? Were there any events in Durham last night? I missed it. I was in Gaston. I heard them. Just yeah. the fire, just the thunderstorm. Driving back, <laughs> driving back in the crazy rain. We um, we we got like right outside of where were we at? In the middle of nowhere. I don't even know where it's at. <laughs> but it's, I guess it's uh, I have no idea. There was torrential downpour. And as soon as we came out of the torrential downpour, you could see fireworks shooting off in the sky. And I was like, well, that's cool. Is that lightning or is that, like, you know, death from above? But pretty cool. Anybody going to go to fireworks? Anybody got plans for the 4th? Cookouts? Anything like that? Everybody's bored. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. Well, come to our house. Um, today what we're going to talk about, what we're going to see is that uh, our words matter. What we, what we say and how we say things matter, right? And one of the best ways to figure that out is if you are planning to go on an event, like, or if, if maybe this happened yesterday, if you did go anywhere, you visit anybody on Saturday, you're getting ready for your event. Husbands, you can relate to this. Um, your wife comes to you and she says, how do I look? Right? Or maybe the classic, how does this dress make me look? Right? And every man at, it will experience this. Guys, you will experience this. There will be a moment in your life when you realize you are trapped. And there is no right answer. Right? There's no way to say the correct thing because no matter what you say, it might not be the right answer. Right? So you're trapped. So you have several options. Um, and I, I've created what I like to go with is the called the SEC method, S-E-C-C method. You'll see it up here on the screen. Um, the S-E-C-C. This is your, your go-to, guys, for how you get out of this because your words count. Right? Your words matter. So the first one is um, sarcasm. Right? So you go with a joke. Right? Because you don't know what to do. So you just make a joke. Right? That's what I do when I'm nervous. I make a joke. So if, someone, if my wife says, hey, how does this dress make me look? Does this make me look fat? I'll go with the, 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 the Tommy boy answer, and I'll just say, no, but your face does, right? Oh. So everybody laughs. It's funny because it's Tommy. It's a joke. We can just laugh. Like, ah, it's a joke. You know? But she does it. Yeah, okay. The second one would be exaggeration. The second would be exaggeration. If you don't want to go with the sarcasm because that hasn't worked, you go with exaggeration. She'd say, Honey, you are far too good looking for that dress. That dress just does not do you justice. You need more dresses that look, we got to go get you dresses. As a matter of fact, the designer of that dress should be privileged that you're even in it. Right? I mean, you got to go exact, you got to exaggerate the beauty of your wife. Tell her how beautiful she is, right? No, would that be a better option? Yeah. Okay, cool. A little bit. A little bit. Todd's like, yeah, we're going to go with that. Sorry, Rick's like, yeah, we'll go with that. All the women are like, no, that's not any good. All right, number three is um, connect. Right? Women want to connect to your husbands. You want us to be emotionally engaged, right? So this is an opportunity for you to connect emotionally with your wife when she asks you this question. Your words matter, right? So you can say, well, honey, I feel like you are gorgeous. How do you feel in this dress? You know, it's like have a feeling conversation about the dress. Don't actually answer the question. And then third, this is my probably, this is the go-to. Everybody's going to remember this. And when this happens in your house, you're going to say thank you. You can call me, text me, whatever. Just say thank you. Um, you, you, you employ the choking method, which is this. You, you look at her and you take a deep breath like you're going to answer, and then you pretend you choked on a bug, right? And then you have to leave the room. So it's, honey, does this dress make you look fat? <coughs> and just walk away, right? That also works really well if you're in a public venue and you don't remember somebody's name, right? And you're walking by them and you're like, <coughs> just pretend you choked on a bug. People are so concerned with your health, they forget the question they ask, and then you move on, right? Your words matter. 
the words that we get to carry, the weightiness of the gospel, what we say matters. Our words also had to be backed up by actions. And so what we're going to see in James today is that if you find yourself constantly getting in trouble with what you say, there's two things you need to look at. What did you say and what are you doing, right? What do you say and what are you doing? So the Bible speaks to how we can get ourselves out of trouble through maturity. Maturity in Christ matters. So let's read James 1 through 12. All right? James chapter 3, 1 through 12. <laughs> Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horses' mouths so that, we, so that they obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a part of the body. It's, it's tongue is a part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. The small part of the body, sorry. See how great a force is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the, south, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from its same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Father, help us to see how our words matter. Help us to see how you are changing us and how our tongue is a big aspect of our maturity. Help us to grow in this today, Father. Speak to us through your spirit. Change us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give you a little background on to kind of set the tone for where he's talking. James is a very practical book. We know that. He, he addresses things that are not so far out there but very true and home and natural to us. He's a, a very practical book. It was written before the Gospels came out. So he's, he's an early teacher to the church. Right? And James is the brother of Jesus. He's an early teacher to the church. He's talking to people who have placed their faith in Christ uh, concerning the validity and the consistency of their faith claims. Right? One of the big things in our church is you'd say one thing, but you'd live differently. And, and that made the churches in a fragile position. Right? So if people were living heretical lives, they lose the validity of the gospel. So James is calling people to the carpet. He's like, hey, what's the deal? You say this, but you don't live this way. And one of the big ideas about our faith is that it has to be consistent with our works. Because faith without works is dead. It's worthless, right? So it's not good enough to say one thing and do another. Consistency and maturity are the focuses of, of one of the focuses of his book. And he's asking readers to examine their personal faith claims. The, that's where you get the whole salt water can't produce fresh water. From the, same, from the same opening, a spring can't bring both fresh and bitter water. Right? A fig tree can't make olives, and an olive vine can't make figs. You can't have an either or. It's not stepping in and stepping out of this faith claim in the early church. He's saying, where do you stand? 
Are you a fig or are you an olive? Are you fresh or are you bitter? Are you salt or are you fresh? So the first thing we're going to see is that speaking right matters because our words have power. Speaking right matters because our words have power. The word tongue to James and communication are synonymous. Right? But then he also uses the word tongue as the literal tongue. It's set among our body. It's, it's, a, it's a member of our body. But he also uses it figuratively as in how you talk. Right? Um, so the word tongue is what we're going to be focusing in on when we think about our words. So let's go back to what he says is true about tongues. Okay? Verse 6. And the tongue is set, uh, sorry, and the tongue is a fire. Not is, is on fire, but is a fire. So that is a popular Greco-Roman way of saying that the tongue is the expression of your passion. Right? The fire, it burn, you burn with passion. This is a popular way to say that your tongue is an expression of your passion. What we say comes from what we believe, what we're motivated by, what we're passionate about, what we want to happen. Right? What we say comes from inside. So our tongue is connected to our passion, our hearts, who we are. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure in his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? You've heard that from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. <clears throat> Another thing that James says is true about the tongue, he says, it's the very world of iniquity. Now when I read that, I'm like, what in the world does that mean? So I had to look it up. So this is what I, I got. It means it gets you in a whole lot of trouble. Right? I mean, like, the whole, there's no area of our life that our tongue does not reach into and, and, and cause sin, right? That where we, we can sin against people in every area of our life. It is the whole world. It is the world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on, course, uh, sets on fire the course of our life. Because the heart and the tongue are connected, it's that constant reminder that we are depraved. What's coming out of us constantly reminds us of our sinful nature that's within, right? It, it is um, set on file and it defiles the entire body. It, it's the reminder that we have a sin problem. Now, anybody ever say anything that reminds you that you have a sin problem? If you haven't, hit your hand with a hammer. <laughs> it's like, just say, it's really easy to remind yourself you have a, you have a problem with uh, bitterness or hatred towards your other hand. Why did you hit your you know, like, okay, anyway. Um, when we give voice to our sinful thoughts, we realize they're there. So we begin to recognize them. It sets our whole course of our life on fire. And it is set on fire by hell, meaning that it's our sinful nature comes from the beginning. It, it, it's, it's from within us. It's, our whole life is, is wrapped up in our sinfulness. So uh, verse 8, no one can tame the tongue. Let me, let me say that again. No one can tame the tongue. That's encouraging. <laughs> right? So we're going to talk about how you need to tame your tongue, but then James tells us very clearly through the Word of God, no one can do it. So that's encouraging. We'll move on from that and come back to it at the end. Sound good? And then two more things. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's a restless evil. How you speak, what you say, is a restless evil. I thought that. Sorry. It never rests. You never have to stop working at taming your tongue. It's always out to produce evil, right? I mean, it, to let your sinfulness come out. It's always there, so you're always fighting and, and trying to put it under control. And it's full of deadly poison. You know what that means. It means your words can hurt or kill people, right? I mean, they can, they can really stab and hurt people. That, that old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. 
Words hurt, right? I mean, just ask your spouse. You ever hurt them with a word? You can hurt them, right? <coughs> ask your friends. Ask, go back and look at the text when you still see the dot, dot, dot. And read above what it says. Words hurt, right? And with it, we both bless and curse. There's a duality, especially in the Christian life. We want to say we love God, but yet we curse people. There's, there's this, this constant struggle for what do we really believe and what is really in our hearts, and it's expressed through our tongue. So spoken word matters. It carries weight. The continual lean of our broken hearts is to try to devalue our spoken word. We want to we make it be less than it really is, all right? so we can see this. Think about it. We're in political season, right? Anybody watch the news? There are people running for the presidency of the United States of America. And on one day, they say one thing. And on the next day, they say something completely different. And when a reporter comes up and says, hey, yesterday you said this, immediately what's their response? Not, oh, yeah, I was wrong. Wow, that did. Their responses are, well, I misspoke. Or you didn't understand. It was out of context. And they'll say, no, we'll, we'll play the first five minutes of what you said. It's in the right context. And they're like, no, 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 you just you don't understand. I misspoke. Um, it, there must have been something. Did you edit that film? We try to devalue what is said so that we can get our way, push our way through. And it doesn't matter what candidacy, what party you're in, everybody does it, right? And you can, you can pull out the clips. Maybe something a little more home, more relatable to you is whenever you say something that hurts somebody, what are the two letters that automatically follow? In your text messages. What do you say? J. K. Just kidding. Right? You say something that is it's, it's a, a snod mark. It's a stab. It's a jab in somebody's heart. And you see their countenance fall. You see something change about them. And your response is, oh, I was just kidding. You know, can't you take a joke? Like, you're, wow, you're too sensitive. So we try to devalue the words that we say. But, <laughs> but our words matter. And as Christians, our words have got to matter. They have got to carry weight. And that's not just when we're sharing the gospel. That's period. It's got to carry weight. Um, think about it. When we make wedding vows, when you get married to someone and you make a vow, you want those words to carry some weight, right? When you say for forsaking all others, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness or in health, you want that to matter. Because when you come down with cancer and, and the bills start piling up and you've gone to sickness and poor. And it's not better, but it's getting worse. You want to look at that spouse and say, wow, those words matter. That vow mattered. It had weight. And so I can depend on you and despite my circumstances. Right? As ambassadors of Christ, we, we have to have weighty words that matter because people are watching our life and they're hearing what we're saying at all times. And if our words are devalued, then when we deliver the gospel, it comes across with less value than it carries. Right? So let's put it like this. Maybe you're a habitual liar, or you, have a, you, you do a lot of kidding, you do a lot of sarcasm, and people don't know how to take you seriously. And then you go sit down with them, and you try to have a serious conversation about the gospel. And, and you present it perfectly, right? And they look at you, and they say, are you being serious? Like, should I believe you? I mean, everything else you say is either a lie or sarcastic. Why should I believe this at this moment? Why, why, why does this have any weight, according to the rest of your words? Words have got to matter to us as believers, especially in this church, as we, as we struggle together, as we try to be authentic in our relationships, and you're in a depth group, and you're sharing something you're struggling with, and someone looks at you and says, I got your back. 
I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to walk with you through this. You want that to be more than just a southern, I'll pray for you, right? I mean, you want them to, to be able to answer the phone at 3 in the morning when you're in the midst of a, a spiritual struggle. Or when you're, you're oppressed by whatever, you, you want to be able to call on somebody to pick up the phone or somebody to sit beside you and pray with you and walk through. You want that words, I've got your back, to have value, to have weightiness. Now, God can overcome these barriers. Obviously, we can present the gospel in the most horrible fashion in the world, and he can save by faith, because ultimately it's he that saves, not our presentation of the gospel. But why would we want to put up barriers with devalued words and devalued reputation? Because we, we have a loose tongue. <clears throat> what you say matters. So James teaches a lot about the negative aspects of the tongue. But he also has some words of encouragement for us because it's not just what we say, it's what we do that gives weight to what we say. What we do gives weight to what we say. There's a connection between not only our mouth and our hearts, but our mouths and our hands. Right? So doing matters because our words should have power. Right? Doing matters because our words should have power. So check out verse 2. Check out verse 2. Chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So there's a connection there in what you say and what you do, the bridling of the whole body, your actions. So if we're able to control our speech, then we should be able to control our actions. That's an interesting concept. We'll talk about that. When someone's uh, speech and actions are in a line, we call them one of three things. right? When, when someone is, says something or do something different, they, they get a couple of times, well, maybe one of four things. One, we call them a liar, right? So if they say, I will be there at 8 o'clock, and they don't show up at 8 o'clock, and they show up at 10 o'clock, you technically lied, right? If you don't call, you don't tell, I mean, you lied. You're a liar. And if you do that repeatedly, you develop that reputation. The other one, we might just call them immature, right? Well, it's, it's a stress they can't handle, so they're immature. I'll be there at 8, or I'll have that paper in at 6 next, tomorrow, or I'll get that report to you and then you don't follow through, then there's, there might be an immaturity issue there. Number, number three is we might call them hypocritical. right? They say you should do something, or they put on the weightiness of some kind of a command to you, but then they don't follow through with their life. We call them a hypocrite. right? So James probably saw a lot of that in the early church and in the Jewish culture and the pagan culture, putting laws on people that they weren't following, but because of their status, they got to say, oh, you know, I'm good, you know. You need to do that. I don't need to do that. It's like me saying, you need to tithe. And then you're looking at the records, and Will's name never shows up. And then you're like, Will, why are you not tithing? I'm just like, because you haven't given me any of your money to tithe with. <laughs> you got it. All right, good. So like, that would be hypocritical, right? And being a hypocrite is one of the biggest charges against us as a church, right? That's the outside world looks at us and says, you say one thing, and you live totally different. They don't align. It's immature. It's hypocritical. And lastly, we would call someone whose words and actions don't line up insane, right? So if they're like, I'm not waving or I'm not smiling, I am very sad, there would be a disconnect. Somewhere between the hand and the brain, there's a disconnect. There's something going on. You know, I am jumping up and down like a bunny rabbit right now. It doesn't work, right? You're crazy. What happened to you? And it's not something's not right. Maturity with James is not just speaking right, but it's doing right. There has to be actions that back up, right? So he says, show me your faith. You tell me you have faith, but show me your faith, your works. I'll show you my works by my faith. Or 
you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Go back to it. Um, when we talk about the word perfect, you got to remember that it's not an issue of being without fault. So the person who can control their, their mouth and their word is not about being without fault. It's about being mature. So whenever you see a word that in, in a letter, you've got to go back and say, how is it defined in the rest of the letter? Does it work up? So you go back to verse 2 in chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Verse 4. Let endurance have its perfect result or its maturing result. Let it do what it does so that you may be perfect or mature, complete, lacking in nothing. So... Mature, Christian maturity, walking in, uh, with Christ in a mature way, your words have to align with your actions. You, know, you can't just speak right. You also have to do right. You have to link up. And when they do, there's some validity to your, your faith claims. There's validity to your, um, your gospel presentations, the way you live your life. There's validity in your relationships. I say, I love you, Rebecca, but then I don't follow up with actions that demonstrate love. Is there any weight to the words, I love you? Right? So since no one can tame the tongue, and speaking and doing have got to link up, James issues this, this first kind of warning to people in the first, first verse of, of chapter 3. It says, not many of you should want to be teachers, knowing that you will receive a stricter judgment. So the main tool of a teacher is their what? Their words, their tongue, right? I mean, you've got to communicate things. So the main, the main tool of a teacher is their tongue. And if they're constantly saying things but they're not backing it up, what do their, their students learn? Nothing, right? They learn to do more is taught than is taught, right? I mean, th they've got to line up. So James is saying because the tongue is so hard to tame and the more you talk and the more you talk, the more you risk not following through with your actions, maybe you should be careful with who, who becomes teachers in the early church, right? Slow down. Don't worry about attaining a bunch of knowledge and then teaching. Worry about being doers. Right? So he goes back to verse, uh, chapter 1. Do not just be mere hearers of the word, retainers of knowledge, but be doers of the word also. So not many of you should be, be caught up in this desire to become teachers. Instead, focus on being doers. Right? Uh, a pastor in the area said it well. He said that when he was called to be a pastor, he was called out of ministry. It's an interesting concept, right? Because the ministry, is, uh, the ministry of the church is for the saints, right? And so the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? So if his job is to teach, to teach, to teach, and, to, and then to live out with it, he can't do all the ministry too, right? He's teaching to, to build up the saints to do the work of ministry. It's just an interesting concept. So the, if you want to get out of ministry, become a teacher. Apparently that's what he was saying. I don't know how that works because <laughs> whatever. Um, in James, the, in James's setting, the teacher's word carried a lot of weight in society, and with so much power and with so much more teaching, so much more words, there's so much more option to go to lead people astray. And then that's where the stricter judgment comes to. There's there's also this concept that if I stand up here and I teach you and I teach you and I teach you, but I don't live it out, you're going to judge me on what I've said, right? And you're going to judge me pretty strictly. So the next time I tell you, hey, we should go do this, or we need to move this, or this is what God's word, you're going to go back to that judgment you've placed on me because my life doesn't line up. And you're going to say, yeah, I'm not sure I want to listen to you today. Right? There's a stricter judgment. But then there's also the stricter final judgment. Because words have so much power, because they can direct lives and, and help move people and teachers' positions, 
If you lead people astray from the true gospel, there's a judgment coming on that end. So there's a stricter judgment in both ways. Not speaking much or not speaking at all was considered a high virtue in the early church, right? In that, in that Greco-Roman culture, to not speak was a, because a great deal of error comes and a great deal of evil comes by speaking, right? Proverbs 6.2 kind of leads that. When you talk too much, you get yourself in trouble. Now go humble yourself and get yourself out of trouble. Right? That's Proverbs 6.2. So you've, have you all met those people in the room? When, like the, the really mature people that there's a conversation going on and you look at them and they're not saying anything and they're just sitting there thinking. They're probably introverts. Uh, they, this is what introverts do. They process and then they speak wisdom. You know, versus extroverts, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and their mouth doesn't connect to their brain and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they give out all these non-wise things to say and people are like, yeah, you can be quiet. What do you have to say? And then when they do speak, there's like a lot of weight to it, right? Controlling the tongue. <laughs> Can't repeat that, we're videoing. All right, um, talking the talk has got to be linked up with walking the walk. That demonstrates maturity. So James gives these two illustrations about how our tongue is connected to what we do. So he says there's the, the bits in the horse's mouth, and there's the big ships, the little rudder, right? Now, think about that. This little tongue, these little words we say, can, can get us tossed and flown or get us running wild. But if you put a bit in the mouth or you, you put a rudder on a ship, then you can go into strong winds and you can keep that, that ship facing the waves. And it won't get tossed and turned and it won't sink. It'll face the waves. And it goes whichever way the what? The pilot's inclination, right? And when you put a bit in the horse's mouth, who's on, who, what, is, what good is the bit if there's no rider, right? It's got to be a rider. So the, the bit controls our tongue, right? We've got to control our tongue. And we're the horse. Or the tongue is the rudder and we're the ship. But there's got to be somebody controlling it. There's a will behind it, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a pilot. There's a rider, a jockey. Why, am I saying bit wrong? Keep laughing at me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it's bit, right? It's a bit. B-I-T. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, well, okay. There's got to be someone behind it. So not only is our tongue connected to our heart, our will, and not only is our tongue connected to our word, I mean our, our actions, but our tongues have got to be connected to our faith, right? Our tongues, our will has got to be changed, right? So speaking and doing start with thinking. So we think right, then we speak right, then we do right. Say it with me. Think right, speak right, do right. Wonderful. Thinking right matters because it depends on his power. Thinking right matters because it depends on his power. Out of the flow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's, that's Luke 6, 45. Out of the overflow of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. The heart is the will of a person. It's the root of our decision making. It's where our actions start and where our tongues give voice and power to our passions, to our fire. So our actions and doing follow the will of our hearts. So if we are inconsistent with our actions and our speech, we don't have a word problem. We have a heart problem, right? So if you're finding that your words are getting you in trouble all the time, it's not a matter of you being disciplined and controlling what you say or when you say. It's not a matter of you saying something and then make sure you follow up with a little action and maybe that'll, that'll fix the problem. 
that you have a heart problem. So the question for us today, really what James is asking, if you want to mature in Christ, you've got to ask the question, who is piloting your life? Who's, who's at the helm? Who's on the back of the horse controlling the reins? Is it your heart, your sinful nature, or is it the wisdom and the word of God that he talks about in chapter 1? If we're inconsistent with our actions and speech, we need a new heart. We need a new heart. James tells us maturity in faith is dependent on receiving the word of God and the wisdom of God. So look back at chapter 1. This is kind of a synopsis of chapter 1. If you are lacking wisdom, ask God who gives generously to those who ask, right? So there's this ask for wisdom. Be brought forth by the word of God. Right? He is, he is, in his good will, all good things come from God, and he has brought us forth by the word of God to become first fruits among all creation. Right? The word of God has something to do with this. We receive the word implanted in you that saves your soul. How you receive God's word changes our hearts. And then be not just hearers or speakers, but be doers of the word. That's the admonition. So wisdom and the word and how we receive the word in God's wisdom has everything to do with how our will is shaped and changed. Right? So Romans talks about it like this. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your will, where you think, how you, what you, your decision making. You need a new mind. You need a new heart. You need new passions. Right? So our words get us in trouble because our heart is broken. Our heart is sinful. Our heart desires things that are self-focused and not God-focused, not kingdom-focused. So we need to have a renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he renews our mind through the word that is implanted in us, according to James, which saves our soul. And when we ask for the wisdom of God, when we start to apply the word and become not just hearers, but doers. Correction, correct action follows correct speech, but correct speech only comes from correct heart. Correct action follows correct speech, but the correct speech only comes from correct heart. So you might be thinking to yourself, okay, I get myself in trouble with my words. I need to just, you know, I need to work harder. I need to read the Bible more because I, I, I got taken the word. I got received the words. So I got to read the Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to work harder. And then I will mature through my life. Now remember, what, is, what does James say about the tongue? No man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. So it's not about you working harder. It's not about you being better. Are you getting more disciplined? You've got a heart problem. Hear this clearly. Maturity in faith is not a self-discipline exercise. It, start, it doesn't start with you. Thinking right starts with God changing your heart. When your will aligns with his will. When he does that in you. When you submit to his authority. Maturity is a, cha is a change of heart issue. So works display our faith with consistency. Start with a bridal tongue that flows out of a new heart submitted to a new pilot. It starts with submitting yourself to the Lordship of Christ. That is the receiving of the word, right? You've got to submit to his authority. So when his word says something, you've got to do it, right? Not because you're disciplined, but because you're submitted to the Lord. You call him sovereign. You call him the director of your life. He's the pilot. He has communicated clearly what we need to do. We don't need to be hearers. We need to be doers. So if we're finding that our words and our actions are not lining up, they're lacking wisdom, and this is a, a Christian maturity issue. So, 
If you're consistently getting yourself in trouble with what you're saying with your spouse or children on social media, your coworkers, whatever, your words in your mouth, your mouth and your hands aren't linking up, your mouth and your brain aren't connecting, then we got to have a change of heart. I'm sure you're trying really hard, but you need to ask Jesus to allow the Holy Spirit to transform your thinking. You need to start submitting yourself to the authority of God. Because when he gives you a new heart, then you get new passions. And as you align with his will, your passions begin to begin voice through your tongue. So you start to, you think, start to think right. You start to speak right. And then as you speak, your actions follow. Right? Because there's a consistency. Because they're your, the passions are Christ's passions coming through. So the battle is not with your passions versus Christ's passions. It's you're living out from, from the heart, the new heart, overflows the mouth. You start speaking right. You start doing that. Think right. Speak right. Do right. Verse 21. Therefore, this is chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. James chapter 1, verse 21. Thinking right starts with the will, a heart submitted to the Holy Spirit. From the overflow comes the words, which follows with action. So think right, speak right, do right. Let's pray.